laugh at this next part. In a world of political correctness and cancel culture, two comedians have risen up to prove that with the right angle, anything can be funny. This is You Can't Laugh at That. Who writes these? Huh? We should have this person locked up and looked at. Live from Golden Ox Studios in Cleveland, Ohio, it's Steve Mers and David Horning on this week's episode. We expect so much out of Dave Chappelle, and he was showing you, like, no, I can do this too. I think that was morally more him pushing against our expectation of him having this, like, well thought out, profound thing. And he's like, I'm a flawed human being as well. We as comics love that that push and pull, yeah. being antagonistic, and so the the quote unquote uh, uproar uh, yeah. based on some of those jokes was that the response that he was actually looking for. Well, he did say after some of them, you know, or before a few too, like, "Oh, this one's gonna get me in trouble," or that. So he he knows mm-hmm. where the where the red lines are. You know what I mean? Yeah, he didn't wake up one morning and be like, "Vulture has an article about yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. problematic." Like, oh my god! It's in the <laughs> LA Times. I didn't know this was coming. He he knew exactly what he was doing. Hey everyone, before you start this episode of You Can't Laugh at That, be sure to rate us on your podcast platform of choice. Make sure you give us five stars so that the algorithm works in our favor so we can get this podcast out to more people. Because the point of this podcast is to prove that anything can be funny. So whether you're trying to write a joke about this topic or you're having a hard time finding the humor in any given situation, we want to be able to say, hey, point to whatever episode this is, and you can see that it's okay to laugh at whatever topic that episode is about. That's our point. That's why we're here. So if you could do that, that helps us a lot. Share with your friends. Follow us on social media. Like us on Facebook at You Can't Laugh at That. Follow us on Twitter at You Can't Laugh Pod. And if you become a patron at patreon.com forward slash You Can't Laugh Pod, you'll get access to hours of footage that's never been seen or heard from any of these episodes we've got bonus footage from episodes with greg stone and anthony devito and mary santora and john armstrong i mean so many different episodes with bonus content that you've never heard before patreon.com forward slash you can't laugh pod for five dollars a month that you get access to all kinds of exclusive footage Follow us on social media, rate us, share us with your friends, talk about us at dinner, and remember that no matter how difficult things may seem, no matter how stressed you may be, there's always a way to laugh at that. Hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to You Can't Laugh at That. This is the podcast where we take topics that aren't funny and then we prove that they are funny by breaking them down, looking at the nuance, and talking stand-up comedy. Today, I'm joined by John Armstrong. This is your third time on this podcast. Nobody else has done that. You're this. You can put use this as a credit. I'm going to be like Tom Hanks on SNL. <laughs> That's going to be me on this podcast. I'm just going to be like... 
Was it David Pumpkins or whatever? Yeah, David S. Pumpkins yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll give you a we'll give you a jacket because when you host SNL five times, you get that five jacket, time jacket. The jacket. We'll find a little windbreaker at, at a Goodwill. Chappelle come out with a couple more specials, baby. <laughs> I'm, I'm riding this to the bank. Yeah, no, we we had you on for uh, when uh, for the for the um the was that SNL. sticks and stones? Oh no, that was, it was the, the SNL, SNL monologue. His yeah. monologue for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and then uh, behind the curtain. Piping in whenever he sees fit is Jeremy Demery. What's going on, everybody? What, what's going on with you? Oh, I had such a crazy start to my day, but well, it's neither here nor there. But yeah, it's been it's been a, a whirlwind day so far. But I'm, gl- I'm glad it all worked out in the end. Nothing, uh, li- nothing like having a little podcast to fix that, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's the. That's the spirit. I'm surprised I was able to watch this special before today, so I'm glad. I'm glad I did. I'm yeah, yeah. We're we're talking about uh, Dave Chappelle's most recent special, The Closer, which uh, it, it has received some attention, and we wanted to talk about that. We want to strike while the iron's hot, uh, but mm. also there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to break down uh, based on reactions, based on the actual material, and uh, and just the perspective of a comedian, like. Of course, people want to hear from two straight or three straight guys uh, when it comes to the, this special. But I feel like you know we've had enough of enough good conversations three. about this. Yeah, <laughs> well, we'll you don't see. know about my nighttime activities. Oh, I thought you were talking about me. No, you don't <laughs> want to know about mine, or maybe you do. I already know. I'm in, I'm in your window, dude. Yeah, <laughs> I see what she makes you do. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the closer. I mean, obviously, it's it's kind of a follow up to his last special, uh, which which got a, a lot of heat for some of the trans jokes, and we talked about those in our and actually our first episode of this podcast where we talked about um, he kind of set it up in a way where he was focused on like how he misunderstands it, like how he doesn't get it, right. and so if you looked at that material through that vein, this is somebody who doesn't understand the LGBTQ community. Then, then it changes the dynamic of the joke. Yeah, and, and it so, does give a book and, and I guess an arc to the story. If you haven't listened to the special, listen to the special. Come back and then listen to us guys talk about it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, uh, Jeremy, you've watched it. Uh, John, you've watched it. Have you watched it more than once or I'm just at, the one time? I'm at three times. Three now. times. Yeah. What is it about watching a stand-up special multiple times? Like, do you do that for for? For multiple specials? Oh, yeah. Well, I do that for everybody I love. Okay. You know what I mean? So, with this one, though, I, the first, I always, as a comedian, the first time I watch somebody, especially I love, I got to do it by myself. Mm. Uh, I have this thing when I go to the movies that I'll go by myself. When I listen to an album that comes out, I listen to it by myself. I like to put it through my filter without any external noise so I can truly see how I feel about it. And just like music, you don't know how good or bad an album is on the first listen. You don't. You just don't. You know what I mean? And that's the that's the thing when you consume any type of art. You The first is just like, ooh, ooh. Mm-hmm. And then after that, as you start digesting it, I went, uh, okay, let's get the obvious stuff out of the way. Uh, I'm a big fan of Dave Chappelle. This special, the first time I saw it, I really loved it. I thought it was great. Second time I saw it, I was like, maybe that was the fan in me, and it's still really good. But 
But then it was start, started to come across as like, uh, well, it's not one of his best. And I did like it. And some of the trans stuff got redundant mm-hmm. after a while. And it just felt like some of it was beating a dead horse. And then the third time I saw it, I was like, this is perfect, dude. I love it. And that's where I am with it now. Um yeah, and maybe it'll evolve from there because again, we're still so close up on this thing that like we're gonna have to back up off of it some to see. I've been talking about that in stand up as far as before COVID, after COVID. It's gonna take a few more years to get more zoomed out from this thing to see the big effects. I mean, we're going through the largest labor strike right now that is six degrees because of just the whole world doing that hiccup you yeah. know what i mean so not getting into covid stuff but there's just so much that you can't really examine until can't really smell the shit till you leave the bathroom yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then you, you come back you're like man i did have pot roast so yeah <laughs> you can't laugh at that what comedy is doing is kind of getting ahead of uh, uh getting out of that that redundancy getting out of um, you know, being stagnant, the same jokes over and over again. Yeah. Like you go back, you listen to an album in the '90s, and there were some jokes in this special that were very like, kind of low hanging fruit, kind of like uh, right on the nose. Yeah, like a lot of those '90s or, or some of uh, uh, you know early 2000s stand up specials were, and, yeah, the, and the, I, the air, all the airplane bits. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I did feel that way about the uh, some of the punchlines in that special were like some of them were like kind of lazy mm-hmm. in a sense or like I was like wow this is kind of like I, I was kind of shocked by it because you you don't expect that necessarily from Dave Chappelle where it was kind of like man that punchline was really like like I saw it, it coming yeah it kind of sucked like. Yeah. But I think that, and this is what made me appreciate it, is that I think he kind of knew that everything he was going to be talking about had such density. Like the premise had such density to it that it didn't matter what the punchline was. It was going to fall flat to the premise. Mm. Yeah, it was was just a small part of an overarching theme. Like it was one big bit. (laughs) It wasn't just, it wasn't like separate chunks. It was all, I mean, it was all like separate chunks within that overarching bit. Yeah. That story that he was telling, which, which his storytelling is, is it's riveting. Like, yeah, all, did, all the way through. Did you guys even get the impression that like, it's at one point for me, it was like, is this even really a stand up special? Yeah. It was almost like a one man show. Yeah. I think- well, he people have been saying that about him for the past few specials he's had. And yeah. the, one of the things I go back to is um, that joke that he made on a different special where he was saying he's so good at stand-up that he writes jokes backwards or he'll like put, a, put the punchline in a bowl, shake it up, grab it, and then write it backwards from that. I don't know if he really does that, but I I can imagine that um, as a stand-up, when you are that good and that revered and you've done it that much that you do have to attack this in a different way for it to be fresh to you and for it to be an evolution of you, or even if you're not evolving, because that's another thing. uh, We talked about this on the other podcast is 
Dave Chappelle is older now. Mm-hmm. He's been smoking all his life, so his voice is more gruff. He, uh, you know, he worked out for a bit, so he just filled out some more. Plus, that just happens with age. But you go back to Dave Chappelle, old school Dave Chappelle, and this skinny, wiry kid with this higher voice. He was more accepted in white circles. I mean, he was in Robin Hood Men in Tights. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, but if you listen to his jokes, uh, to your point, Jeremy, in a way they're kind of still the same. That's why I do take a little bit of issue when people say like, "I can't believe he's doing these kind of jokes," because really he's always done these kind of jokes. Yeah. But true. I think in this package now, it's a it's a revered black man who has been through all this stuff you have the walking away from the 50 million dollars you have this epic show that he had and his demeanor is just like you can say some wild racial shit when you're skinny black dude who's like um you know friends with all these white guys you know what i mean but when you are super embraced in black culture and now you're this icon of comedy and especially in black circles now these same jokes have a lot of gravity to them but yeah. go back and listen to his jokes in the 90s that it, it's there he always has talked about race and stuff like that it it wasn't so much with the um yeah especially the, in like uh, killing him one of his first was kill him softly but i mean even before that like the deaf comedy jams and the uh and the um what's the one montreal just, just, just for um, laughs. Just for laughs, though. Like, it's yeah, it's it's all there now. It's the uh, the new LBGT uh, stuff that has got him attention because he wasn't doing as much of that now. But I think that's a reflection on as far as uh, them coming to the forefront and achieving rights, and then that just becoming in the lexicon of jokes that we tell now. Yeah, in the '90s, it was very literally black and white. Mm-hmm. I I kind of like expected to walk away from this special thinking like, I don't know, Chappelle may be uh, brought down a peg in my mind. Like I kind of expected it to be almost a little bit sour crepes for me on this because uh, I think so highly of Dave Chappelle, in my opinion, he he's the goat. Like he's the greatest comedian of all time. Uh, And I walked away feeling like, zero difference. Like, I still think he's the greatest comedian who's ever lived. I think this special is probably one of the most important, uh, pieces of comedy in my lifetime. And I, I, uh, the conversations in which he spurs in this one special is going to continue happening for, you know, it, it, it kind of had an air of like, like some of the Carlin's specials where it's like, wow, you, I, I feel like 10, 15 years from now, we're going to look back at the special and be like, I can't believe we're still having these conversations. Oh, yeah. yeah. Car- Carlin is a really good uh, analogy for it because sure. when Carlin was, uh, I mean, people forget some of the financial problems that he had mm-hmm. and uh, with his marriage and everything else. And he was struggling for a time. And then his manager had to give him like uh, some money and kind of get him through for a little while and and at that time people didn't know that this this comic who kind of was this icon in the 70s and then started kind of going away people didn't know that his best shit was ahead of him 
Yeah, right. Shining Time Space Station specifically. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's his best work. Who doesn't like a good train? Mm. Am I right? Yeah, the way he conducted those specials was mwah. conducted. I see you. I see you. Double entendre. I, I want to talk about uh, Chappelle before we get into the topic because that, I, I feel like the topic is going to take us all the way to the end of this episode. Um, but do you think? And I want to pick up off of what you said. Do you think because he's so revered, because people had such high expectations for him? That when he did hit some of those easier punchlines, that's why there's pushback because there's like there's a gap between expectation and, and reality on some level. Yeah, yeah. And again, what we were talking about with albums, I think it, it's your first, second time listening to the. I just saw this thing. Um, shout out to Eric Kazin. Uh, he always posts pop culture stuff and he was showing how on the same day, I think 30 years ago, that Nirvana came out, Red Hot Chili Peppers came out, and another album. I don't get into alternative rock, but I, I do know the culture, you know what I mean? Because that's as I was growing up. So, so even though I was listening to rap, I was very aware that this music was around because I always would hear it. And um, But when it was out, nobody knew that this was going to be this iconic thing you know what i mean mm-hmm. dude i just saw smash mouth just got in trouble because he <laughs> he was uh he was drunk and did a semi-nazi salute or something but do but like in in the 90s when those little quirky songs were just on the top 10 radio like it was cool and something to listen to but you didn't realize that this would become somewhat iconic to the soundtrack of your life you know what I mean who All knew star. Smash Mouth you know and I'm not saying this to shit on them but no. just saying that to the point of culture a lot of times you don't know till it's the passage of time and things um, come away from that but back to what I was saying too about his jokes I do feel like he's the same type of comedian and that third time that I watched it I saw the layers and the nuances I know we're going to be hopping back and forth but we really need to have a conversation about space juice I think that really got overlooked I am not playing dude I love that premise that's one of the best jokes I have heard in a long time And, and there's a and there is so much layered in that that okay so yes the punch might feel like it's this easy punch but he says so much in the joke that it's like okay all right maybe the fact that it it does feel like an easy joke that is the trick that is the magic trick because if you if you see more into it i mean Oh, they're trying to show us all these aliens, and I don't want to see these aliens. And what if uh, I got a script? What if these aliens went away and then they came back and they were actually like humans who, you know, ascended and they had uh, interstellar travel and then they came back and to reclaim Earth and I'll call it space Jews. And that's exactly what happened with Jews that who went to, um, you know, le- left the promised land and went uh, to different places in Europe. And then after being persecuted for so long, and especially after World War II, let's go back to our homeland. And then the other part of it that I didn't realize until I watched it this third time was he talks about the African slave owner and how he, uh, once he got, he, um, this guy, he used to be a slave, but then he, once he got to prominence, he bought slaves himself. And not only did he have slaves, but he was more harsh than a lot of other slave masters. 
And he didn't look at it as being something bad. He just said, figured this is how you conduct yourself in this society. And this is how you rise to prominence. And I'm going to call that space Jews. And again, that's an analogy for what's going on in Israel now. Mm-hmm. It, it, Jewish people have been persecuted for literally thousands of years. They've been through so much shit. I mean, he had that joke. You know, you ever get into the struggle Olympics with a Jewish person? Because they'll go at you because they've been through a lot of stuff. But now some of the stuff that's going on with Palestinians is like, I mean, and that's a whole nother thing, but it's like, how can somebody who knows what oppression feels like oppress another group of people? And that's what that joke is about. Mm. And it's Stanford prison experience experiment. Exactly. And that's why I love that space juice joke. And I, that's another thing that's kind of getting me irritated and that I can at least for me as a comedian, it seems like he purposely did a certain amount of jokes, even the one about the, the, the the priest or whatever and I loved coming in that guy's face so I you got a you got rape jokes you got Jewish jokes you got black jokes and and he's making a point to where I did every single third rail joke that there is to do and I already know what I'm gonna get the most heat for and he did yeah. all that up front too and it's and, and that and that points to the brilliant the brilliance of it as well so that's why give it another listen. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I feel like a lot of the uproar is because they didn't, you know, give it that listen. Like, you can comment on something. He did so many callbacks. He did, uh, you know, there was a, a theme. It, it was like, there was like loops throughout the whole exactly. special. That's what I meant by, like, when I watched it that, that first time, great, just because I love him. Right. That second time, eh, okay, i kind of seen this before. And then that third time is like, now, for a fifth time, I might, you know, keep, it, it might keep moving in my head. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm, I'm resigned to where it is now, but I did just, just as a comic and how we know the little, uh, intricate things that you have to do not just to make a joke a good joke but to make it a joke that you are personally proud of I got and I'm sure you do too uh, you as well Jeremy it's jokes that don't hit as well but you love because you know what you had to do as a comedian to be able to form to perform that type of joke Yeah. so to the audience it might not feel I just went through this with somebody and they're like why are you doing that joke and maybe you should do this and I was like you don't get it I, I've been trying to do this joke forever and mm-hmm. it's finally working and it doesn't hit the way other jokes do but it taught me so much in trying to do this joke that I am keeping that joke plus part of the thing is once you know how to make them laugh at least where I'm in my in my career now I want to be able to lose them and get them back yeah mm-hmm. yeah that, that's the best feeling or like uh, just as comedians I, I think the, the where we find the most amount of fun or I guess where we find ourselves uh, in most situations is pushing against expectation yes and so I think you kind of, I love your take on this because it kind of turned my mind on on its head, like um, about the fact that like, oh, maybe those punchlines were easy or um, they were, uh, in my opinion, somewhat lazy punchlines because we expect so much out of Dave Chappelle and he was showing you like, no, I can be, I can, I can do this too. You know what I mean? Like, I think that was morally more him pushing against like our expectation of him having this like well thought out, profound thing. And he's like, "No, I'm just a human. I'm a flawed human being as well." Mm. Yeah, 
I mean, some of those jokes too. It's like maybe he put those, you know, those punchlines were, were on the simpler side uh, because of like the deepness of the setup, and and it's like you know you're rea- almost like antagonistic because that's I mean we as comics love that that push and pull, yeah. being antagonistic, and so the the quote unquote uh, uproar uh, yeah. based on some of those jokes was that the response that he was actually looking for. Well, he did say after some of them, you know, or before a few too, like, oh, this one's gonna get me in trouble or that. So he he knows mm-hmm. where the where the red lines are. You know what I mean? Yeah, he didn't wake up one morning and be like, Vulture has an article about yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, this yeah. is problematic. Like, oh my god, it's in the <laughs> LA Times. I didn't know this was coming. He he knew exactly what he was doing. I I just as a student of comedy. I really enjoyed it. The only thing I go back to is, like I said, it just objectively, I can see how a person can feel like it's redundant. And then objectively, too, and I had this conversation with a, a, another comic, another black comic, black male comic, is um, the Daphne thing can be viewed as a white person saying my black friend. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. My trans friend, but my trans friend. But uh pushback against that is these are real things that happen. He did not seek this relationship out with this person. They actually did have a friendship. This person did actually work with him and then this person actually died. Mm-hmm. And this is a thing that happened. And part of the reason that they did die is because they were being pulled in both ways by both by her tribe of uh, trans people and then by his tribe of comedic people. Mm -hmm. And I think we go through this as comedians. Chris Rock says this. A lot of black comics say this, that you were a comic before you were even black. You know what I mean? Mm. And because it it informs your whole outlook on life. Mm. Now, that's easier said than done, but, like, people who are really down for the craft, that's how, like, I mean, you got your Louis C.K.'s and... um, and your Bill Burrs and every good white comic I know has said nigger. I'm I'm not necessarily like loving of it, but I'm also not necessarily hating of it either. Cause again, you can feel people shrinking away from a premise. Now I'm not saying like white people go out there and drop n bombs. I'm not saying that, but at the same time, <laughs> you can uh, clap your hands. And- <laughs> <laughs> I might just say it now to get your respect. <laughs> right? What do I gotta do? But Louis C.K. has that good joke of how he hates the n word, and he's like, not the word nigger, the the n word, because you're putting that in my head now. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's like either say it or don't. But you just put that in my head while like absolving yourself from any responsibility of the word. You know what I mean? Yeah. So and I do get that it's a balance and being the act. I mean to to say you know what I mean. Um, but it's just things are way more nuanced. Audiences can feel intention, and you do have to let things be able to play out. In my mind. The most, if you want to say problematic thing on here is when he doubles down on the turf stuff. But again, I can see where he's coming from with that because even when he says at the end, uh, I knew your father and she was a great woman, he purposely did that because both of those are true. He also called that himself- is biologically your father, and that is biolo- and that is uh, and that was a great woman. Yeah, like Kylie Jenner, like who's her father? 
you know exactly and, and I think that I do think that is where his doubling down of the gender is a fact thing and I do like how he brought up Women should, and, and the thing is, women should be talking more on this because as a man, it's not your place to say it, which to his joke of I'm going to be the leader of the feminists, I, that's why I'm saying like keep watching this and there's so many threads that go yeah. through this. I, uh, women need to do this. I'll be your spokesman, but you got to suck my dick. Now we're back to normal. I mean, my, now we're back to square one. Mm-hmm. You yep. know what I mean? It's It's so much going on that I think... It's, I just don't like the laziness of the pushback. Yeah, it's very like you you saw a clip and now you know everything about it. It's like you can't if if you're going to say something about this album, this special, you've got to watch it at least once all the way through. Yeah. And and you've got to, you know, there you've got to ask more questions than make opinions. And again, and again with 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 the, with with the molesting jokes and and the nigger jokes and the and just in the space Jews, like like the fact that everybody fast forwarded through all of that stuff. I'm like, really? And that goes back to what he said in the other special. Everything is funny until it happens to you. Mm-hmm. Mm. So it's 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 a lot going on, and he is uh he. Uh, if you want to even say that he's transphobic and that he's this problematic person, there could not be a better vessel to have this come through because, I mean, there are people who are who are uh, anti-LGBTQ, uh, people who are racist, that you're not going to get at least uh, a synopsis of how they feel. You're not going to get them coming to the table. You're not going to get a certain amount of humanity expressed through that person. I think this is, I think if anything happens, this is one of the best vessels that this can come through because we can honestly have these conversations that we're having right now because there are people who are catching up. Like he said, when they, when he first started getting called out in the early two thousands for doing quote tranny jokes, he didn't even know all these words. And, and, you know, he admits Mm -hmm. he's like, my program, my pronoun game was not good at all. You know, I know I'm making a lot of excuses for him because I, um, no, I, 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 I agree with you. And like, I think, uh, I mean, if you, if you look at it, of all four specials, that's six hours. Of, like each special is about an hour and a half long, and so in six hours, we're not going to get hundreds of years of uh, <laughs> of uh, <laughs> uh, societal right, of issues. Hundreds yeah. of years of issues solved in six hours is a lot to ask of one individual. But I think. We the, did it. I think this, that the this black high school dropout did it. <laughs> God damn it. You this, solved it. Uh, I think this conversation, I, it's it's somebody has to play the heel. And I think that yeah. Dave Chappelle, who better than to articulate the parts in which that he himself doesn't even agree with? Like he called himself transphobic three different times mm-hmm. in that special. And I think that's something that he struggles with internally and he he's self-aware enough to go, hey, I don't understand this fully. But the more we try and silence people from saying these types of things, the less we're going to have these conversations. And that's where the that's where 
uh, societally, we cannot grow unless we do have these conversations. Yeah, you got to challenge yourself to grow. You got to challenge uh, the the construct to grow to to make it better. Uh, otherwise, it's it just stagnates. And, yeah. Right. You know, it's like the uh, uh, when people were talking about that when we do so called quote cancel somebody, where are they going? Yeah. Are, right. are, are we are we putting these people on this? I I I've publicly said this. I think Roseanne should have kept her job. I think. Louis C.K. should pretty much do what he's doing now, be able to work, which he is. Mm-hmm. And, and and yes, I know people will say, well, we have the right to protest him too. Sure. And, and, and I get that. I don't want to, you know, get lost in the weeds here, but you can't. I mean, again, Chappelle addressed this in another special. One of the greatest things that happened after apartheid in South Africa is they had truth and reconciliation because... They he knew they knew that they had to put the system on trial yeah. because everybody was complacent and culpable in some way. It's like Nazi Germany, you know what I mean? I mean, we you you can isolate people and and you should be held accountable for what you do. I'm not trying to all lives matter. This like <laughs> we were all killing Jews. I'm not trying, <laughs> I'm not trying to <laughs> do that. But you do have to have an understanding on the side as the, uh, for lack of a better word, accuser, that um, there's no perfect bow to put on this thing and there's no uh, perfect enemy in this too. You're going to find them. There, there are 100% bigoted people out there. There are. But again, I mean, we... I mean, we got mothers, fathers, aunts, uncles. I mean, some of the conversations I just had with a good friend of mine is, I'm just like, uh, if this ever got out, dude, this is, you got some, you got some views, man. Yeah. But we grew up together, and I, and we all know people like that that mm. you just can't throw away. And I, it's better for him to know a person like me who can like nudge little things his way than to just put him on ignorant island and never talk to him. And right. now you have an isolated human being. Right. None worse than a human who has nothing to lose. Right. I'm not saying coddle people's thoughts, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, right? push them in the right direction. Like exactly. you know, I, I want you to be better. Uh, I'm, you're not going to be better if I yell at you. If I if I call you ignorant. If I put you on ignorance island. I like yeah. that. Um, yeah, it's it's gonna turn them against you. Like if you want people to see your point of view, you can't yell at them for their point of view. You gotta you gotta find a way to make that connection, and that's why you know we were talking earlier before we started recording about how I like teach managers to like connect with with those difficult employees that they have, and it's through that nuance, it's through that curiosity. Like how can I connect with you in a way where where you discover on your own that what you're saying isn't conducive toward like progress. Exactly. One of my favorite Jay-Z lines, I wish you deals, I wish you wealth, I wish you insight so you can see for yourself. Yeah. That is like, that is the ultimate because that's how human beings are. Human beings have to find out and learn stuff on their own. Human beings can't be told anything. And that's kind of why we're going through this stuff with QAnon, with the virus and all this other stuff is... um, there's a powerlessness in things that are happening to you. So I don't think so many humans realize that then you start coming up with things to try to control the narrative so you can take back some power. That's where a lot of these conspiracy theories come from. 
I'm not trying to get away from the the issue, but just into the psyche of why humans do what they do and everything isn't necessarily this nefarious person who's just smoking cigarettes in the room thinking about how to screw over their fellow man. You know what I mean? A lot of this is leveraging... I'm playing the long game. Yeah, yeah. What what do they say? Mustache twirling villain or whatever. Uh, I think uh, one of the things, too, that especially black people, we keep bringing up, and he says it, and and the special, and I don't like how people gloss over the vulnerability in it, is he's jealous of the movement. Mm. And there's a lot of black people who are jealous of the movement that LBGTQ plus people have had. I, I wouldn't let, look at myself as uh, necessarily being jealous, but it is something that if it just to be black and look at is it's kind of like, I mean, this is an oversimplification, so don't fucking put me on... <laughs> voted off nigga island but like <laughs> like as a Cleveland sports fan when you just sit back and see all these other teams like eventually get their championship or eventually get their whatever and you're just sitting on the sidelines like like really the the Cubs just won? <laughs> Like it's just like it's just like it, it's it's unreal and 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 it's amazing and I wanted to I'm hopping around because there's places in that special that I forgot that I just have to get out or I'll forget but when he's talking about arguing with the um, the perceived gay guy in Texas and then the guy was like I'm going to call the police and that's he took issue with that because he was like that's one of the things that he doesn't like is that. Uh, when it's time to be white, you will be white. And I will sit here and be the nigga. And like he said, the cops ain't going to come and say, which one of you niggers is Clifford? <laughs> <laughs> Again, brilliant. These yeah. jokes, they, 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 it's, it's, it comes across as crass, but the bigger context is just so like, wow. Like he really just said a mouthful there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, he's brilliant in that he's, he's putting a lot of these constructs under pressure without, specifically and explicitly saying it. Um, that line, gay people are minorities until they need to be white again. That that was one of those lines where it was like, okay. Yeah. Okay. It's the it's the it's the it's that Bill Burr bit where he chastises white women like bitch, you're in the jacuzzi with me. Mm-hmm. He made it work a little more succinct. You know, Bill Burr did, but it's essentially saying the same thing to where you can't be this persecuted person, but use the um, apparatus of white supremacy against me when it's time for you to do that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like that's when that's when that's when I don't hear your oppression as much when when you uh, when you have that in your back pocket, you know, Mm -hmm. and the thing that's not fair that's going on is he's. Dave Chappelle is correct in all that and how we how they've kind of leapfrogged us on rights and things like that. But at the end of the day, if you're a trans person coming up, that's not their intent. You know what I mean? And and they're just trapped in this shit storm of it. Mm-hmm. You know? So that's not their intent. And so to put a lot of that on the backs of people who just so happen to be going through this human experience, as he says, um, that's the thing. I think that is where a lot of the pushback from that community comes from. It's like, look, I get you as black people are going through this. I get this is that. But um, just like you might feel like we leapfrog some of your stuff. Don't don't try to piggyback off of us 
just to highlight some of the black pain. We can talk about black pain without without uh, disregarding what trans people may or may not be going through. You mm-hmm. know, and he made up that he made that point about Sojourner Truth too. Yeah. Cause that's that's the thing a lot of people talk about. There's and that's true. There's there is uh, been a big racial component when it comes to um, feminism and women's rights in this country. And and what and what and when he said when he said Sojourner Truth is like ain't I a woman? And that goes back to what he says about gender is a fact. Again, I'm not saying this to piss people off, but again, that's why you have to listen to the old, the whole special because that's when you start to catch these things intersecting and interweaving and you know he's smart enough to where this wasn't a mistake. Mm-hmm. Now, I reached out and I wanted to have her on uh, this episode uh, just because like two straight dudes talking about it like that's or three straight dudes talking about it that's like you know we don't have any expertise in it you know we've never had to to deal with what it's like to be trans and uh, so yeah. so I reached out to Alexa Irizari who's a, a local uh, a Cleveland comic and 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 I just like she sent me just a, a rapid fire of of messages I was like I can quote you or play a pre-recorded video if you want she had to work today um, so she sent me a lot of really good stuff, and the thing that really stood out to me is that uh, let's see if I can find it. Um, the okay, I actually have a, an audio recording that I can play. Uh, I'll put it into the microphone and hope it comes out okay. But um, but I thought this was a really good point. Sorry for the long rant. Um, I guess to sum it all up, probably. Um what I would say the most is in comedy and everything, there's lines you can't cross with black jokes. There's lines you can't cross with gay jokes, Asian jokes. Um, trans jokes, um, I don't think those lines have been established yet where it goes from this isn't funny, this is hate speech. So I think once trans people, you know, people are acclimated to seeing them at their workplace, you know, and everything as trans people tend to do a little bit more than, you know, they used to when it was just kind of you hide in your house, you know, only come out at night or um, you get enough surgery and then you don't talk about it again. I think as we get to that point, um, those lines will be drawn of, hey, this is all acceptable, you know, fodder, but this stuff, this stuff is just hate speech. The, the, it's the uncertainty of it, I think, where yeah. people are, are struggling with. Because we, we don't do well with uncertainty. We like there to be a line. And those lines move, um, but we can see throughout time where those lines are. like yeah. Yeah. And, and the way they're addressed and the intent to which they're addressed. And so the fact that there isn't a clear, like, here's what you can talk about and here's what you can't. I feel like yeah, in a lot of cases... It's literally a tug of war of a goalpost. Right, somebody's the, pulling the goalpost this way and then somebody else is pulling the goalpost that way. Right, somebody with opinions popped up on Twitter and they want to get a Ahead of this, and they're like, you know, yeah. I want to make sure to get the likes and the retweets and the clout and everything like that. So here's why it's problematic and it's hate speech and it's it's not hate. I mean, and and she goes on later to to say that what she's not saying that what Chappelle was saying is hate speech, uh, but what she what she is saying is that what people are are like construing it as such that yeah. that uh, that um it it blurs the line even more. Yeah, I think uh, again back to the the turf statement. I think. If objectively speaking, I think that's the only thing that someone could have a, a a quote, you know, 
battle in court for. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because mm-hmm. because there there is something to be said with that. And like uh, she was saying, as far as we don't know where the lines are, I think we're in that space as well as far as to what can a man speak on about women's rights versus trans woman rights? What can a woman speak on? Because women do have the right. I mean, I, I don't remember who brought it up, but again, I don't think people... Uh, trans women specifically are being trans women to fuck with people. Uh, that that first has to be established. Mm. But then you also have to realize that men have always found a way to devalue women. And th- and this can be used in that vein. But you're all you're always going to have uh, bad faith actors. You have that Chris Rock niggas versus black people joke and I so many conservatives love using that you know what I mean <laughs> seriously I know, and so and I you're know, and you're going and, and you're going to have and 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 I think that's the uh, okay and that's the other thing that happens with the Chappelle thing I have told people Dave Chappelle has so many maga followers and because they've been screaming the same thing everyone's so sensitive and we should be able to do that and they're just trojan horse and they're real bigotry in there like look we're down with this this darky you know what i mean <laughs> but but i've met i mean we all know people like that I, i've yeah. i've met people who have the most racist views they love Chappelle. they love snoop dogg they might even have a black girlfriend or something like that and that's the weird thing where we are in the 21st century now with racism where the proud boys leader is this cuban guy and then the other guy is like married to this to this black woman and there's so many black people who are in that sphere because of the a lot of the homophobia in the black community and what goes on what we were saying earlier there in so many communities one of the problems with the left which i am a big lefty but one of the problems is a lot of people don't want to identify as marginalized or as victimized. That's where there's so many Hispanic people who are conservative, so many gay people who are conservative, so many black people who are conservative, because it's a pushback against that that victimhood and what's been called wokeness now of this kind of whiny... Because uh, that's another thing that Chappelle talks about in the special is he didn't take some of the uh, women's uh, marches seriously because they're doing pussy hats and he's doing this analogy of what if, you know, Martin Luther King was like, let's just wear, you know, a certain sequence <laughs> thing on the bus. Yeah, yeah. Again, you can't tell somebody how to do their movement, but it's still a good point wrapped in a, a good joke, which yep. is a very simple joke, which takes away from a bigger point. I'm kind of going all over the place now. I'm trying to uh, hit a lot of these angles, but um, yeah, there's just so much. Yes, uh, yeah, dude, we could probably we could easily two three part this. This could thing. be a Rogan yeah. episode. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Rogan? <laughs> <not ours. laughs> yeah, we're out. I refuse. Yeah, we're out. <laughs> and yeah, we're I mean, done. Three hours. You know what I mean? <laughs> you say Rogan? Uh, if there's <laughs> anybody <laughs> worth canceling, this think- episode is brought to you by Moose Spit. <laughs> <laughs> I think that generally when you challenge people to think and to question or to consider the world around them, then you see this kind of pushback and or anger towards an individual because he's now challenging us to uh, consider or find the, fi- help him find the standards in which in the world in which he can we- work in. And I think that's what he's asking at the end of the day 
is that what, okay, where is that line? What is that line? What does that line look like? Uh, and, and what, in which way does that line apply to who, which set of minority or sector of people? And so I think when people are challenged or they have to look inside themselves in order to ask, ask themselves where, what is, what does that mean to me? That's when people start getting frustrated, Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. Well, it's always changing and it's very dynamic. You know, the line depends on the situation and is the, the line isn't universal for everybody. Right. I mean, we also have to remember that people have these nuanced upbringings, these experiences of life where, you know, if you grow up in a, in a, an insulated community, whether it's rural or urban, like you're going to have a specific way of looking at things and that's yeah. ingrained into you who you are. And it's going to take more than just one person, like one yeah. tweet to change your mind. You know, you got to really challenge who you are as an individual and that's difficult for people to do. It's easier to push back. Yeah, that's, that's very true. And to touch on what John was saying earlier about like, you know, people don't want to be viewed as victimized. Like, you know, my, my father in the last four or five years has taken a really strange conservative turn. And that's pretty much what he, why he describes himself the way or what's landed him in his worldview as of late is the fact that it was like, I don't want to be victimized. Like that's the problem is that so often do these white cultures want to, uh, victimize uh, Native Americans and era, you know, as far as, you know, my mother's experience in America too, is the, these Arab cultures, they like, they, they victimize us and we don't look, view ourselves as victims or want to be sympathized for. Yeah. People, people want to have some kind of say. And the other problem too, and this is a problem just with politics Black people, we go through this specifically, is you have conservative and then you have other. So everybody gets thrown in the other bin. That's another reason why black people and LGBTQ people are arguing. I mean, we're not, but we are, but we're not. But because you have people who are clearly different, going through different things, but we're all in the other bin. You know what I mean? Throw it in the other bin. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And that speaks that speaks to to patriarchy and white supremacy. And I've been going through this thing personally now to where like I know it's not gonna happen in our lifetime, but we need to get rid of the idea of whiteness, period, because that is where all this comes from. Because whiteness isn't what you are, it's what you're not. It's the lack of. That's why you can be a mixed person who's black, but you can't be a mixed person who's white. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, at, the, at the heart of that be- comes from believing you're of something that's pure. And if there's anything else that's in that that's not pure, and you go in the other bin. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So we as people need to eventually realize that we got to get away from that. I do want to touch on something before I forget, too, is the punching up down thing. I uh, was swirling this through my head for a while, and I don't know if Chappelle was thinking this, but in my view, if you want to even play the punch up, punch down uh, narrative, I still think it works in Dave Chappelle's favor because what he is getting at is as a black person in the world, in this country, but in the world period, you're going to always be at the bottom of the totem pole. So no matter who you talk about, you go be punching up. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And 
and and it's kind of a uh you know audacity of of a certain type of person to believe again it's the bitch you're in the jacuzzi with me mm-hmm. you know what i mean or this guy who's able to call the police or how um how Dave was saying his argument has never been against uh, trans people or that community. It's been against white people. And he was like, when I had white people on the ropes, they were like, "Uh call me a girl, nigger. Like, I love that line because uh, I don't think that's what trans people did specifically, but that is the language that's used for uh, people who want to get around um, not dealing with certain issues of blackness. And uh, another problem, too is uh again these strange bedfellows you get everybody coming in like defending Chappelle and stuff like that but again nobody's talking about what he has been talking about since he was a kid which is racism again everybody went past all these jokes and 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 then this this thing he's he he's always talked about as as just what people go through as black people and even these people who claim they're like I'm with Chappelle they're not you know wow black people should have rights and we should be doing they're not that they're just they're just happy that somebody is talking shit to a group that they hate you know mm. it's uh we are raised in a very either or kind of culture. Zeros and ones. Yeah, and it's not that. It's you know There's everybody's so everybody's in the other bin. Yeah. Like that's the thing. It's like it's one big bin, and and to try to like separate the people within that bin, it, it makes it easier based on our old idea of what it means to have a functioning society, which is that pure. Oh, we're Babylonian. Well, everyone here is Babylonian, or yeah. oh, we're Hebrew. Everyone here is Hebrew. It's way more nuanced than that. Exactly. Like, yeah, we and and that's difficult to comprehend hand in our simple animal brains and, 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 it, and it makes you make concessions that your animal brain doesn't want to do because you do have to concede certain things yeah on on the black end of it we do have to concede that there is a lot of homophobia in the black community mm-hmm. now we can argue where that comes from i'm not gonna uh you know i'm not trying to sit here and like take one for the team or say that we're more homophobic than anybody else necessarily but it's not not a thing I have a joke that I do that I say black people are homophobic the way white people are racist. It's so ingrained that you'll hear somebody say something to you with a straight face and not even know they're being offensive to you. Now, I'm not trying to make, you know, sweeping indictments on either side. But again, let's not pretend like these things aren't here and we're not going to move the ball if we're not able to make certain concessions in the argument. Right. Right. That's a really good point. And and Alexa brought that up in our conversation. Um, You know, she said a a lot of what she thought about the special has to do with him beating up a trans woman. Since the black community has not had the best history with LGBT people. Like if you look at the rates, black men murder black trans women. um, And and that's the the problem that that she had with with that part of the special. because of that machismo that is that is baked into the culture, yeah. Like you you boys, you know, you're a man. You don't cry, and it's like I'm five. You know, yeah. Like you know, I've seen that. Um, not not even. I mean, obviously, I not in, like just as a as a man in general. Yeah. Like you have this idea of what it means to be a man, uh, and that a lot of that is based off of that like that evolutionary. Like somebody's got to be the alpha. Somebody, you know, and that's yeah. like that's it's again. There's more to it than that. That's what. That's what the how the animal kingdom works, but 
if evolution takes its route and this is going to get meta, but like, we're going to transcend that. And that's going to like, we, you know, we ask about well, how do we travel like interstellar? How do we become the space juice? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and it, it, we have to transcend these, these limiting thoughts of what gender is, what race is, what religion is. Yeah. What because even when you is. get outside of it, you can still be in it again. I like that joke he did about the uh, lesbian who got in a fight with him. And then he's like, I tenderize those cities or whatever. And he was like, <laughs> I beat the tox- the, the uh, toxic masculinity out of that bitch. And that was another good layered nuanced joke. Mm-hmm. You can be gay and still practice toxic masculinity, which was what that particular woman was doing. Yeah. And he asked the question, are there racist gay people? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, and and that was great that he used Mike Pence because that is the perfect example that that dude is so closeted. You know <laughs> what I mean? And uh, and I and okay, so getting into that when he's talking about you know he's at uh you know trying to pray away the gay type of gay. All those jokes to me were funny, but I could see how those were offensive. But to me, those were pure like shit jokes. Yeah, you know it, what I mean? It's drawing attention to the absurdity of the fact that there are people be- that believe that that's something that can be done. Yeah. yeah. Now, in that end of it, I would say, uh, I can't speak again for that community, but again, I, I my estimation of it would be maybe how I would feel if I saw a white person kind of really going in with black jokes. And remember how black people used to be in the 80s when he does the, you know, the gay <laughs> 80s face and stuff like that? So, again, I can get how you can feel offended by that. But on the other side of it, I can get how that's a joke. The turf part is where he asserts what he really believes. But with all those other jokes, you can tell the atten- the intention is to be silly. Mm-hmm. I, I, I keep going back to the turf part because I'm like, objectively, I think that's the part where you can take issue because this isn't, he's saying, he's, I mean, he's making jokes around it, but he's saying what he is there. Mm-hmm. But with the other stuff, you know, like I, you know, I, I punched this lesbian in the titties off. You know, he's, you know, yeah, you know, the, the intention is not there. He's just, he's just uh, being like a, a dick and a comedian. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, um, Poking a bear. Exactly. I think, exactly. I think too the the reason why he brought up uh, the turf stuff is that he's trying to show you that he isn't a complete person. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. He be, just because he's a celebrity and he seems to have it all figured out, he's kind of showing you a peek behind the curtain that says, "I have my own biasness. I have my own ignorance that I am dealing with." And yeah. that uh, I think that is a, a an internal struggle in which he has with himself of like, because like I said, he called himself transphobic three different times. And so obviously that's something that weighs on his mind of like, why do I struggle with this um, this sector of people? Why, what, what is a, about them that like I take issue with or why, you know, I think that's a, a thing that he uh, is trying to show you uh, of himself huh. that like he doesn't necessarily isn't so proud of again the fact that he admitted to being jealous this that's that's yeah. that's why yeah. I keep going back to there's a lot of vulnerability in this that uh, a lot of people aren't really uh, they're not seeing it yeah or or, or conveniently not seeing. You know, I think that people are upset and they're angry, and so they're not willing to uh, see the uh, the empathy part of it. And I think he, 
I think he he asked for it towards the end, and it's like uh, you're not. You know, the sad part is is he's probably not going to get it for some time. This sure. is a special in which we're all going to revisit time and time again, and uh, I think it's an important one. Uh, I think it's it's a definitely it's a conversation that needs to be had between uh, <laughs> a multitude of different communities. And, uh, I, like I said, I, I kind of went into it thinking that this was going to kind of sour my opinion of Chappelle a little bit. And I, I didn't walk away with that. And I was, mm-hmm. you know, but there's another thing too, again, and I know, uh, uh, people who listen to this, you know, I'm the champion of him on this, but like I said, I got a, a clearer view the last time I saw it. But when he talks about that bathroom law that they did in uh, North Carolina and uh, when he's going into it, and you can hear some people in the audience like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah," and he shuts it down, and he's like, "No, that they sh- that you should not have to show a birth certificate to do Walmart, that." A Walmart bathroom, yeah, <laughs> That's a great punchline. But but then when he goes into it, uh, the first time I heard it, uh, it was to me it wasn't like the best joke. Uh, but then when I'm uh, listening to it again, it does make a point because if you did have to do that, a birth certificate, then you're making trans women go into these bathrooms based, and that's not fair to them. That's right. not fair. T- and, and selfishly, you could say it's not fair to transphobic Dave Chappelle. You know what I mean? But it's definitely not fair to that to the party of that. And again... When he reverses it around and does the trans man, and he was like, if she's backing up into it, and then I was like, oh, that's a person in the military. Again, one of the biggest groups you cannot insult in this country, but I can, he's not a stupid man. Purposely putting that in because he knows that that even the temperature for somebody in the armed services won't be raised as much as this trans point that I'm trying to make. Yeah. And and the fact that he uh, like I said, the pushback that he did even against the audience when they were trying to kind of go in on it. I did like that because. You can get a rally type of thing going and stand up, even if you're not making a profound point. You know what I mean? We could just be talking about men do this, women do this type shit. You know what I mean? And, and you can just get the, the applause going. And just, you know what I mean? It, and it is the better comics. It's like, no, I don't, I don't want to keep this wind on my back. I'm about to hit you with something that you might not be ready that you think I'm going to say. And again, it just feels like a lot of the heat coming at him they didn't hear any of that stuff. Now, I don't, again, I don't think that absolves you of any responsibility or anything like that. But to our point of zeros and ones, there's a lot more going on in this than you're, uh, than you're making it out to be. And then the last story with Daphne and then her ended up killing herself and how he's like, um, he don't know if it's what it was. It's probably a lot that made her commit suicide. Trans, people have the, some of the highest rates of suicide, period. So mm-hmm. none of yeah. this could happen, and that still could have happened. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then on top of that, you got somebody trying to be in stand-up. God knows the fucked-up shit in any comedian's head that can make us jump off some. So you got all that intersectionality going on. God knows why that happened. But there is a certain level of responsibility that has to be had for some of these people who are in your own camp. And I don't think it's a trans thing. I think... Uh, it's to where we are in the world now with social media thing 
And because that's really what's going on. That's that's another thing that's not being talked about. What's really going on is all this stuff panning out in social media and the democratization. How do you say that? Democratization. Yeah, democratization of of of, of voices. Yeah. Everyone has a voice, which is great, but it's not great. How because, are you using that platform? And, and in our minds, as people. When when you just see something like, yeah, uh, workers are going to walk out at Netflix because they feel a certain way about the special or Dave Chappelle getting pushed back. Now, back in the day, if you heard that, it wouldn't have as much weight because they're that that those that comment section full of voices wouldn't be elevated to Walter Cronkite. You know what I mean? It would just be water cooler talk. You know what I mean? But with um, with everybody having a voice now, it makes it seem like every voice is the same, and it's not. You have trolls, you have bad faith actors, you have people who just like to stir the shit storm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And again, like we were saying, uh, there's people who are champion Dave who are assholes who who just who are just wanted. Yeah, this is the America I grew up in, and you know, fuck those type of people. And there are people who are who are against Dave, who are are well intentioned, but at the same time, there it's just a rallying cry that they feel like they have to drum this this up now. When it's like, what 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 was the last thing you did that actually helped somebody of substance besides be a a, a loud person online? You know right. what I mean? So right. there, it's it's just it's so much going on. Right, and that's distracting from the people who are actually making a difference. Like, exactly. actually have the good ideas. Or now. making the attempt to make the difference. Right, right. Now you've got all these loud voices that are turning people who may be on board with what, with, uh, you know, with being accepting of, of the trans community. And now you have these loud people who probably aren't even trans, uh, who, who are just yeah. yelling, like, accept them like how dare you not be kind and it's like well it sounds like you're not being kind either you're demanding kindness <laughs> by not being yeah like how, how does that you work? know how long it took my dumb ass to realize uh when you're looking at comment sections like that black guy named darnell might not be a black guy named darnell right that white guy named, you know, Tyler might not be a white guy and, and so on and so forth. Yeah, there's just there, there's a back garage in Russia where these people are like, we're doing it. Either. Well, well, it could be bots or like like somebody uh, brought up before. Uh, this was actually when I was watching Rogan, which I don't really watch Rogan anymore just because like. I don't know. It, it kind of jumped a shark with me, but I'm not. Ag- yeah. I'm not against. I'm not against him. I'm he not- sucks his own dick too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just got- man. What a great analogy. He jumped the shark. That's so perfect. Okay, go. I'm sorry. <laughs> Was that a challenge on Fear Factor? <laughs> <laughs> and then we ate the shark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is brought to you by sharks. But it was oh, listening to his show one time that I remember him saying, like, you know, a lot of these are twelve-year-old boys getting the rise out of this. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? who don't have any identity themselves or even racial identity or sexual identity yet. And it's just, it's like when we used to prank call people when we were kids, it's just funny 
pissing off adults. They don't know the gravity of, of what's going on. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, the idea that 12-year-old kids are starting these, like, these Twitter civil yeah. wars. <laughs> no, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, like, it's all of them. But I'm just saying it's 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 just a shitstorm of ideas. And, and who knows one of the things that could set any one of, of us off. And then you come and find out, like, oh, this. I remember reading something, and they were they were saying one of the ways to be better in traffic if you're behind somebody who's driving messed up is pretend that person is your grandmother. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And it, it doesn't make it any better, but it gives you a little, you know, skin in the game of where maybe this person just is having a bad day, or they're slow, or this is their car that doesn't accelerate fast. It's not their fault, mm-hmm. but we're just so quick to like pounce on somebody that we just take away from like there there's more going on on the other side than what you think it is and yeah. sometimes there's way less going on and you're just <laughs> up in arms and this little boy gotta go downstairs and eat his fucking craft macaroni and cheese you can't laugh at that what is your opinion on the special on the special no. I, I mean I'm I was very open minded toward it I don't I don't I've tried not to be like well this is the way that I think about it um, I think that he made a lot of good points I think that Again, it's a very nuanced topic. I think he he hit the points that he needed to. What I took away from it was how powerful of a storyteller that he is. Yeah. Um, at the end, like while you're watching it, it felt like separate. It's like unrelated. In some cases, unrelated. Like, oh, now he's moving on to this topic, but it was all part of the greater yeah. the greater whole, and that was really interesting to me. And I I don't know. I'm just like I'm very curious about this. Like it left me with more questions if there was something problematic what would you point to initially i know uh, I, I know there's a lot of points and purposely he did put a lot of points but what what could you objectively say like eh. well i think and uh, we had a guest on the podcast martin urbano and he talked about uh, asking yourself the question if you make a questionable joke who is it giving ammo to yeah, um, and and that's like my question is: Was there a, a certain part of the special where somebody who is transphobic can be like, "See, he agrees with me, and I'm going to use that line yeah. against trans people"? Like that's that's the only real like. I, I don't have a specific example of that, um, but but no, I know there were parts where it, it made me ask that question: Like, yeah. is this something that could that could work against uh, an innocent bystander? But that's why I think we we still do have to fight back even against that because, like I said, it's the Chris Rock niggas versus black people thing. He made a really great joke with that and a really good point. And there's just going to always be bad faith actors that mm-hmm. use that. So then uh, it's part of our job as comedians too to to realize that people are going to say this, but that can't make me not say it either because that's how, again, concession, that's how we get into... Uh, these personal responsibility things when it comes to the black community. there A lot of things can be happening at the same time. There, There's white supremacy and things that happen. Uh, there's personal responsibility that you need to do. And uh, I think, uh, as, at least especially I know as a black person, there are certain conversations that we don't, as we say, don't like to air our dirty laundry out in public. So we'll deal with it, you know. We'll, 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 you know, we'll go in the other room and say, hell yeah, OJ's guilty, R. Kelly ain't shit. <laughs> you know, I'm disappointed with Obama. But we do kind of circle the wagons uh, in public because there does seem to always be a very heavy backlash against just black celebrity. And that person can be in the wrong, 
But it's like, you guys are going really hard against this person. Meanwhile, I mean, let's look at who runs any company and and go through their file. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And Bill Burr always makes this point, too. Like, Nestle poisoned the water. Fucking, there's another oil spill off the coast of California. Just all this shit going on. And who are we talking about? A comedian. A fucking stand-up comedian. And I, I I think that's another thing that's going on in the world. That some people in power purposely do, but that we're all kind of doing subconsciously is that there's such a lack of control and there is a feeling that the world's on fire for a lot of the, uh, whether you're on environmental, whether you're one of these race people, it's about to be a race war, but everybody just feels the temperature going up. Mm-hmm. And this is like something we can control, but we can, we can talk about that right. comedy special. I mean, yeah. What, 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 yeah. What, what really can we do about climate change? What really can we do about police brutality? But we you can talk about and it's shitty for us as comedians i mean like we're not there but but you know being part of this of this um fraternity it's shitty that we're the ones who are held to this scrutiny when there are real people who affect power <laughs> and right. change yeah. to where I, I mean we're literally going through this shit for this january 6th commission just to talk about something that everybody saw on tv and people are dodging subpoenas and 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 Donald Trump is still going through this Teflon type of thing. No matter how you feel about this person, we can't talk about it. We can't prosecute crimes that everybody saw. Mm-hmm. If I broke into this studio now, I would get more time than any of those people so far have gotten for storming the capital of the United States of America. Mm-hmm. Well, well, well. <laughs> but Dave Chappelle or any comedian USA you you could go with uh, uh, Shane Gillis for what happened to him I don't think it's necessarily what he did was right either but but again so much up oh, our hands are tied our hands are tied comedian did this whoa okay let's get to the bottom of yeah, this There's yeah a- yeah this football coach said this thing in an email uh, like 10 years ago yeah it's like I mean it's it's low hanging fruit it's easy but really quick to Dave Chappelle's point nothing happened to him for any of that racism no it was when the anti-LGBTQ stuff came out that, and then, then that's what black people keep going back to, is that it's okay for us to always be the whipping boy, but for some reason, another marginalized group has found a way, for better or for worse, to get attention, and rightfully so, for the most part, as far as you know, getting vindication from being subjugated, but at the same time, if when you're that other person watching this happen while you're still trying to get justice for crimes that people see on camera it's just it's weird so to close this out i know because we could t- <laughs> this, is, this is the closer <laughs> of the closer of the closer meta <laughs> if if more people let's say a majority of people thought about things like a comic does in that this is more than just black or white. This is yeah. more than just trans or, or not trans. Yeah. This is more that, you know, this is the, the grab bag of society. Like, we're all in this in this nuanced gray area just trying to figure out where to put our foot next. How do you think this would be approached differently? Do you think anyone would even care? <laughs> I think people would care, and I think it, I think temperatures would still be raised, but to that point of like Chris Rock saying you're a comic even before you're black. Mm -hmm. If everybody was a comic first with this, 
then it would get hashed out and you would be able to say shit and the trans people would be at the table with black people and everybody else and we would be able to agree to disagree and still be mad at certain stuff and then not fuck with this certain person, but we'd all be at the table. Yeah. A lot of us who disagree would be smoking weed afterwards. Yep. <laughs> uh, we'd be having sex afterwards. I'd be going to their show. They'd become the mine. There's a certain amount of community that we have and understanding that we have. And to Chappelle's point, when, when he said his friend, um, Daphne was going, she was like, I'm going through a human experience. And he said, mm-hmm. it takes one to know one. And I think that's a, that's a common ground that we all have as comics. We, we don't all come out and show on the dial where we were touched, but we were all touched. And we all have this like commonality that we, that we can come back down to ground level. And unfortunately, in other parts of society, we just haven't found out the way to do that yet. You mm-hmm. know? So, yeah. yeah. Jeremy, anything you want to add? Um, there was, and I fuck. Uh, Somebody get it? Jeremy some Ginkoba. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the new sponsor for yeah. the podcast. Ginkoba, are you sick of forgetting shit? Then get this thing that I forgot how to spell. <laughs> Did that? Oh, I, I was going to uh, reference the time when uh, Kramer uh, did what he did. And it's a great joke, right? And <laughs> Chappelle, Chappelle's take on it was, in my opinion, like his way of showing us that you are a comedian first. Because when he said he saw it, he's like, well, it looks like the guy just had a bad yeah, yeah, That's it, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> Again, and that's the thing with comedians comedian first, you know? And that's why he kind of, you know, rapped Daphne in that tribe too to where i think that's where maybe his breakthrough came of somewhat understanding this community it was like uh and her ability to laugh at herself but how he um also was taken back when she like laughed at all these different types of jokes but it came to that one joke and she didn't laugh at all Mm -hmm. and i think that gave him pause too because he was like wow this is one person who's been in my pocket all this time it's like if you're going back and forth with your um girlfriend brother or whoever else that you have this understanding with that you know better than a lot of people on a lot of other levels and they they hit you with a pause and then you're like wow i really gotta create some space up here examine yeah yeah, what what i'm going through and this it's a good thing that that happened it's a shame that things ended up how they were right they are but right yeah we all got to take a pause question what we're doing um and, and really find the the humanity in it because in that humanity there is humor and in that humor you can always take a step back and find a way to laugh at that Uh, and that's why we do this podcast so john always a pleasure having you on i love being on here yeah uh we we do too Um, yeah we love having you jeremy shout out golden ox man this is a great place to to record a podcast tell us about it that's a great place to record a podcast. You said it yourself, my friend. What more needs to be said? If you want to share your ideas and you need a safe space in which to do it in, Goldenox Studio is the place to be. Do you have hate speech? 
but not a microphone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have Come a, to our bunker. You have a bunch of hey, people. Hey, those guys just pay wanted. the most amount of money. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and credit with uh, somebody once. <laughs> I describe his tool in this shit. Hey, we're going we're gonna to play this out with that sound clip from that concert, that Smash Mouth concert. So much to do, so much to see. Uh, what's wrong with taking the back streets <laughs> John where uh, what back streets can we find you on uh, this uh, is gonna come out Monday so. dude everyone in Cleveland um, Hatfields uh, run that open mic every Thursday uh, come out starts at 7.30 over at 9.30 uh, honestly uh, I don't have too much stuff booked but we at Hatfields are gonna be doing uh, a show with Bill Squire as the headliner Tanea Timmons is gonna be a feature she's really coming up in the comedy scene I'm gonna host that is gonna be November 13th that is a Saturday we're doing pre-sale tickets for $10 15 at the door please come out to that support live comedy and I am a nerd of comedy so if you are at an open mic in Cleveland and turn it around I'll probably be there with my shitty beats headphones waiting to go on Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And uh, I won't <laughs> be wearing the beats. No. Uh, uh, go ahead. Are you going to tell them about the show we have? Which one? The one on the 25th. I'm not going to be there either. Um, this is so we're doing a service industry themed comedy show. Uh, it is for the service industry audience. If you, if you, don't work in service industry. It's good comedians uh, having a good time. Monday night, it's got that you know that first drink after a shitty shift feel to it. We're all just letting yeah. loose, laughing together. Um, it's it's Monday, October twenty fifth. We're doing it the last Monday of every month at Heart of Gold in Ohio City, in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, you'll you'll see three very funny comics, and at the end of the show. You'll get to to tell your nightmare story of a, of a terrible shift that you worked or an awful boss that you've had or a difficult customer that you dealt with, and uh, the comedians will roast your story and uh, we'll just have a good time at, uh, with it. Seven thirty to free show. Uh, we ask that you you tip well, uh, tip what you can. Uh, you know the show is free, but gratuity is not included. So also come see. You can't laugh at that live. At the Cleveland Comedy Festival, uh, we don't have a specific day planned yet, but keep uh, an eye out for that. Follow us on Twitter. You can't laugh pod. You can't laugh at that on Facebook. Uh, I am on Instagram at the David Horning as well as Twitter. Uh, so I'll be, I'll definitely be jabbering about that when we get more definitive details there. All right. With that being said, thanks, uh, thanks again, John, for joining the podcast and proving to our listeners that. Uh, no matter what the topic, there is more nuance. And also, thank you to Alexa for providing her her perspective on it. Uh, we wish we could have, we could have had you here on this episode, um, but you were here in spirit, and we appreciate that. So, thanks for helping us prove that you can laugh at that. Awesome. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of You Can't Laugh at That. Make sure, if you haven't already, to rate us on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast platform you get your episodes of You Can't Laugh at That. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you share with your friends. Like us and follow us on social media. We're at You Can't Laugh at That on Facebook and You Can't Laugh Pod on Twitter. On Instagram, you can follow The David Horning. That is my personal Instagram account where I post any things you can't laugh at that that I don't post on Facebook or Twitter. Make sure you join our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash you can't laugh pod. 
You'll get access to special bonus footage that we cut from the main episode. Because, not not because it's bad, but because it just doesn't fit the theme of the episode. We want to keep these episodes within an hour and 20 minutes or so. Otherwise, we'd run the light big time. We don't want that. So make sure you join our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash you can't laugh pod. $5 a month gets you access to all the bonus footage. $10 a month gets you access to you can't laugh at you can't laugh at that, which is a series that we will be starting in September of 2021, where we will go back through each one of our episodes and talk about what we've learned and how we've used some of that in our own comedy to prove that you can laugh at that. So, yeah, that's really it. Thanks again for listening to our episode, and we hope that you found a way to laugh at that. If you'd like to weigh in on today's topic, follow us on Twitter at You Can't Laugh Pod, or like us on Facebook at You Can't Laugh at That, and tell us how you did laugh at today's topic or how you didn't. This is all about the conversation, is what I'm saying. All right. Bye.